Why don't you think um, social media algorithms are chronological anymore? I just want to know if in the boardrooms or nap pods of <laughs> Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. surely this has come up. You can't be yeah. on those platforms for any period of time and no. not ask yourself, why are these not chronological? Are they doing it to mess with our heads? Right. Because I remember from being on, having been on Facebook for what, 12 since, years now? since like, the inception, right? Something crazy. Yeah. Um, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> more than a third of my life. Anyway, gross. <laughs> um, I remember when they first started integrating the like popular posts as your feed or okay. your timeline, whatever they call it. I don't even remember. Um, instead of just chronological, but they always gave you the option to click like show post chronologically. Yes, you could choose. That is still there. Oh, is it? But you have to manually click it every time. Oh, every you day. You can't have it. So not even every day. Oh, every, every time, time you, log you in. every time you look at the homepage, you have to click like most recent. And I don't understand. And we are not alone in wanting this. No, no, no. Like the, the entire masses. internet wants this. Yeah. Except advertisers, I think. Is that the issue? I think so. I hadn't even thought about that. I'm pretty sure. My business brain didn't even think about that. All I think of is, first of all, as a small business owner, which Mm -hmm. lots of small businesses utilize Instagram, Mm -hmm. but don't want to pay for the ads. Um, And and then like just as a consumer, I just want to see chronological, and this is what is so baffling to me. How come when I like briefly log on to Mm -hmm. Instagram, like a post will show and I'll be like, oh, I want to look at that. Next time, yeah, I log and then on. it refreshes, and then yes. that post is gone, and you never and you see can it again. Never find it. Yep. Why? I meanwhile, don't know. Meanwhile, yesterday, somebody I like, I purposely follow them, but they posted something, and it was fine, but I didn't like it yet, mm-hmm. uh, not intentionally, just but like just, it, yeah. it didn't happen. So now I've seen that post. I kid you not. Every time I've logged in, it's at the top, and I'm like, no, no, I've already I've seen, seen this. this. So, and I know you know that Instagram. That's I know. so strange. It's, and yet, and yet I keep using the platforms. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we got an email from our department a couple weeks ago that was like, hey guys, um, just so you know, we've had these social media accounts for the English department for a while and they get a little bit of traffic. But the thing about social media is the more you interact with it, the more it shows up in other people's feeds. And so if you see a post of ours, can you please like it? And I was like, this is desperate. Yeah. And I hate this. Yeah. And I'm intentionally going to not follow my own place of employment. Yeah. But but what's sad about that is it's true. Yeah. Like the Instagram posts, Ashley runs all of it. Right. But the posts that do best for us are ones, obviously, where our customers are interacting with one another and commenting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll say that picture wasn't as visually appealing as some others, right. but it got more inter community interaction. And so it's the one more people are seeing, right. which is interesting. Which is, yeah. But I just want things to be shown to me in order. Me too. Which is pretty much all I want in life. Me too. And I feel like mine mostly is still. Oh, mine is not. But I think it's cause I follow less than 200 people. Yeah. And so it's just like, here you go. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I should do a real pruning. I did a real pruning in, like, March. I should. And I went, I, I I went way down. Way, way down. That's what I should do. It's it's hard because I'll start to do that, and then I'll just lose steam. And I'll be like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, oh, it took a morning. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. to, like, scroll through yeah. the list. 
Ugh. And some things just nobody needs to see. Some things, like I said, um, with Ashley on the um, Patreon Other Voices episode that'll go live today, some things don't need to be said. Yeah, we've forgotten that. We've forgotten the art of the unspoken opinion. We really have. Welcome to episode 189 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and this is my unnecessary opinion. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Um, We hosted an event in the shop last week. Yes, we did. Um, And it was an an update, an adaptation of the kind of um, literary luncheon that we had been doing for the past few seasons. Yes. This one called Books and Brunch. That's right. And I do want to just put in a little plug because so many long distance customers, we normally offer that event virtually. Right. Um, But for ease of the event itself, this Mm -hmm. time we decided instead we are doing a virtual only option Mm. that's just going to be me like hosting a webinar. So it's going to be called Literary Lunch Break. It's going to be on Wednesday, September 26th okay. uh, at noon. Basically, I'm going to do a YouTube live and you gotcha. have the opportunity to buy tickets um, for $5 and you'll get some of this content, but obviously to make it worth your $5, I'll be adding It'll be a little content. different. Yeah, but it's if you missed Books and Brunch and if you liked this episode, then you should look into go- attending this YouTube live I'll be doing. Yeah, so that'll be next Wednesday, the 26th. Um, that sounds like a really good time. Yeah, I think it'll be good. We we knew we wanted to do something for our online um, long-distance listeners and customers, but sometimes for ease of the in-person event, it's easier to kind of split those two up. So Definitely. we're going to try that this time cool. to see if we can do like an online only and see how that works. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. Yeah. How was the in-store event? It was delightful. Um, we had food from Empire Bagel. Shout out to them. Um, and what we did this time was I prepared my list of books I was looking forward to for the fall, but they also interacted and I got them to and go around the own. room yeah, and tell what books they liked, what their book clubs are reading right now. Cool. So it was really fun and it was just neat to see them all like taking notes and talking about historic fiction and all their different opinions. And it was like being privy to a book club. Um, but without the pressure of having to read the book. Cool. <laughs> so, so it was really fun. We had a good time. That's good. Um, so what we're going to do today is we have the five books that you chose for the books and brunch and then kind of what you call the lightning round yeah. of, of what the customers brought. Yeah. So I am going to detail like the five books that I am looking forward to this fall. And then I've got a lightning round of books that I mention, and then I'll mention some of their titles too. So we'll go faster. Through awesome. Um, so the first one on this list is Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller. Yeah. Which I read recently. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast uh, yet or not. I don't remember if we have. Okay. So Claire Fuller was, is an author that one of our previous staffers really loved. I think mm-hmm. she wrote the book, um, are unnumbered days, swimming lessons, but I had not read either of those. So Bitter Orange came across my desk and I'll be honest, I read it solely based on the beautiful cover. Gorgeous cover. It's so eye-catching. And like, I don't know, being Floridians, we're probably just drawn towards citrus. Yeah. I know I am. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So I picked this one up. Um, Here's the ironic part given its title. It reminds me a lot of Tangerine. Tangerine. Yeah, like... I've heard that. A lot. Um, But... 
I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, because they're two, they still are two distinct books. Mm-hmm. First of all, just a very basic difference is Tangerine takes place in the heat and oppression of Morocco. Mm-hmm. And then this book takes place in the English countryside. Okay, very uh, different. Yeah, in the kind of a rural part of that country. And you have this kind of middle-aged woman who moves to this decrepit, falling-down mansion um, to kind of take inventory for the new owner who okay. is, is an American. And when she gets there, when she arrives, there is a married couple who she kind of befriends, but immediately something is off mm. about the married couple. The woman, um, she sees the woman kind of running away from her husband, and she can't tell if there are tensions there. And so throughout the whole book, which is really this quiet novel um, and very slow burn, you get the sense that something is going to go wrong here, but we don't know what. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It's an extremely quiet book. It reminded me a lot of The All of It, which is a book I mm-hmm. read a few months ago, um, because there's a priest who does play kind of this um, pivotal role in the book. There's some flash forwards. Um, the main draw, I think, is the setting itself. I think Claire Fuller did a really good job of writing so well about this part of the country um, in Great Britain, but also the mansion itself that's kind of dilapidated. Like, you felt almost mm. Secret Garden-esque. Gotcha. Um, so I think... That is what drew me to the book, but despite it being this quiet, slow burn, I was intent on finishing. Like, I was here for what the author was selling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this really atmospheric book um, that I think will play really well, particularly in the fall. Um, it comes out October 9th. Cool. Um, I really enjoyed it. If you liked Tangerine and you want more of that kind of novel, um, I'm not talking like unreliable narrator kind of stuff, mm-hmm. although there is a little, perhaps a little bit of that, but it's mostly if you're, if you like the tension that just slowly builds where you know you're filled with unease. You know you something is yeah, yeah. You know something's going to happen. You know something's wrong, but you can't quite figure out what. Then I think you'd like bitter orange. Excellent. That sounds so good. Yeah. And I'm just obsessed with that color, it's that so, cover. It's so good. And the color scheme. Ugh. Anyway, um, the next one on the list is Unsheltered. It's the new novel by Barbara Kingsolver, classic yes. modern classic author. Yes. Um, Poisonwood Bible. So I'm super excited about this one. I'll be really upfront and say I haven't read it yet but Kate before she left read it and loved it and said Barbara Kingsolver fans will not be disappointed so I'm anxious to read it myself it's sitting in my office right now uh, waiting for me Um, (laughs) but one thing I do want to point out is normally I think we're accustomed to Barbara Kingsolver writing really really well about science and nature yeah and I think there's obviously going to be more of that in this book already. One of my customers looked at the cover and she knew, like, she knew what plant that was, oh. and she was like, "I can't wait to see if that plant plays a role in this book." Um, kind of picture plant. Yeah, and so the customer just immediately was like, "I can't wait to see if she writes about this." But it's also some of that dysfunctional family drama yeah. that I like. And it's it's two time periods right I think that's um correct. it's told in two separate narrations that are it, i think the they're they're separated by 100 150 years in time um and the later one is kind of discovering facts about the earlier one i think that's right which actually sounds a lot like the afterlives yeah um that's that structure there too okay so i'm really intrigued i also want to point out that barbara kingsolver is a real champion of bookstores yes, and independent is. bookstores she reminds me a little bit of ann patchett in that way and so um their publisher, her publisher is putting out an independent bookstore version of this book. So we haven't ordered a ton, but I think I ordered a dozen of the special edition because it comes with a letter from Barbara Kingsolver, oh. um, which 
just gives me goosebumps when I read it about the importance of independent bookstores so and cool. of literature. And so I think that's really special. So if you live near an independent bookstore or if you want to pre-order that through the bookshelf, um, Chris, I think, could put a link yeah, on Yeah, I can our website. absolutely have that in the show notes. Um, and maybe you can be one of the 12 to kind of grab that special edition from us or from your own local independent bookstore yeah. because I think that's a really neat promotion. And I think we're going to see publishers kind of do some special things like that to promote not just the Amazon sales, uh-huh. uh, but the sales in actual physical bookstores. That's so interesting. So I, as a bookseller, appreciate that little fact. Um, this one comes out October 9th. I'm super excited about it. Awesome. Um, the next one is Gone So Long by Andre Debut III. Yeah. Did you read House of Sand and Fog? No. Okay, so he wrote that. Yes. And, and his dad's also famous. Oh, is he? Andre Debut. Oh, Wait, the yeah. first? They're related? They're actually yeah. related? Mm, interesting. I think. Okay. I might be totally wrong, and now I want to Google it. <laughs> so, 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 keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> look, I did not read House of Sand and Fog, but. Um, oh, no, they're the same person. Somebody okay. told me the wrong thing. No, the second. No, I was right. I was right. Okay. okay. Yes. Andre Debut is the father of Andre Debut III. Okay. Yes. So, he wrote House of Sand and Fog, which I did not read. However, people, much like. Readers have been looking forward to Barbara Kingsolver. Mm-hmm. Readers always look forward to his new work. Yeah. So he's got this new book out called Gone So Long. I'll read the, or I'll tell you the description, and I think you'll understand why I want to read it. So um, basically, the main character, the protagonist, is Daniel, and he is known as being like a hothead, and he has this really awful temper, and such an awful temper, in fact, that he winds up murdering his wife oh. in front of his three-year-old daughter. And the book isn't a suspense thriller the book is the after effects of that crime so the little girl plays a role like so what's that movie with casey affleck and um manchester manchester by the sea sounds a lot like that yeah okay so that's that's what i'm looking forward to not so much even though i do love a good suspense i do love Mm -hmm. a good thriller this is really this crime happens this murder has been committed. What are the after effects of it? Mm-hmm. How How is Daniel's life in prison? What does the little girl grow up to become? Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe there's a third um, kind of voice that we're going to hear throughout the novel. And I think it's um, the parents of the woman who's murdered. Very interesting. Um, so I'm just really intrigued. Now, this is a hefty one. So yeah, it and unsheltered are, th- unsheltered are thick. Um, but that premise just hooks me already like I'm really intrigued mm-hmm. even though I've not I've not read anything he's written like mm. he would be a new author for me um but I'm excited to give it a try and I think um I think it could be really good but jury's still out because I haven't read it yet um I was reading his dad's short stories one time in college and my friend uh came up to me and was like what you're reading Andre Dubas <laughs> um, and I just had no idea how to react to that <laughs> I mean, look, pronunciation is hard. <laughs> pronunciation is absolutely hard. My family still I might it. not have known debut yeah. just looking at it either if somebody hadn't said that to me yeah. before I saw it. My family but still I would have known not dubus. Not, maybe not dubus. Dubus. <laughs> dubus is maybe. I just feel like if you are a person, like I grew up just reading things yeah, no, and exactly. not hearing them. Maybe we've discussed this before. Anyway, my family still makes fun of me for saying episcopal. I didn't pronounce the B in subterfuge for a very long time because you don't pronounce the B in subtle. That's right. Right. And And so I was like, it's the same. Think about all the things that like, I wouldn't know, like forever I didn't know obviously what 
hors d'oeuvres. Well, like, it's still, even I just yeah, almost yeah, said, yeah. hors d'oeuvres. Like, because in my head, <laughs> that's what I have to say, so I spell it correctly. Horse d'oeuvres. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> we digress. Um, people like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the fourth one is one that we did mention a couple weeks ago that sounds interesting to me for scholastic reasons, but Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan. Yeah, I, we talked about this one already, so I won't go into too much detail, but basically we talked a couple weeks ago about PG Lit. Mm-hmm. I think this would fall under that category. Um, incredibly well-researched, thoughtful look at um, Joy Davidman, who was a poet and writer in her own right. Mm-hmm. And I think we sometimes forget that just because of who she married. Right. Um, but I'm anxious to read it. My mother read it and loved it, immediately sent it back to me like it was my turn to read it. <laughs> um, so I am going to read this one. I... I'm intrigued because Patty Callahan, most of us know her as Patty Callahan Henry. She's written several Southern literature books. Mm. So this is a departure, I think, for her. Um, something a little bit more researched, a little more based in history and real life. I've read her before and I do like her, but her books have really mostly, I think, um, been set in the modern South. Gotcha. And so this this is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, um, very different. But I think I've seen the publisher really pushing it because it is different. Um, Am I totally misremembering here? Joy Davidman is American. I, th- I thought so. I think so. So that's something. She yeah. is writing an American character going yes. over into England. Yeah. So anyway, my mom loved it. I'm anxious to read it. I think this would be a good book club book. I also mentioned at Books and Brunch, some churches I know do mm. book clubs. And because of C.S. Lewis and his theology, mm-hmm. I think um, it could be even a good book club for yeah. book club selection for churches. Absolutely. Too. No, especially like if you're at a Anglican or Episcopal church, like yeah. it might be a perfect one yeah, for, exactly. for your book club. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, then the final book on your list before we get into the lightning round is The Witch Elm by Tana French, which we did talk about a few weeks ago. Yeah, we talked um, about this because I read, read it. it. I read it, I think, in June or July. Mm-hmm. I think um, July. Yeah. The Witch Elm, what I like about it is Tana French is a very reliable, right. great suspense author. I do I do tell readers I think she's a little bit darker and certainly a little bit more PG thirteen or R than Louise Penny sure. for example. Um, but I have grown to love and I look forward to. Oh, her she's your books. favorite. Yeah, yeah, I love her. Um, with the Witch Elm is great because it is a totally standalone novel. So her other books you don't have to read them in order, but they do build on the minor characters. They're mm-hmm. kind of all in the same universe. Uh, the Witch Elm is totally separate from that uh from that world and so if you're new to tana french the witch elm might be a fun place to start cool um i like it because yes suspense thriller basically this young man uh he thinks he's so lucky and then he gets mugged in the privacy of his own home which is terrifying and to recover from that he goes back to his childhood home where his grandparents lived and his uncle now lives and he goes under the guise of taking care of his aging uncle, Mm -hmm. but really to take care of himself and kind of recover from this traumatic event. While there, uh, the family, like at Sunday, it's this kind of idyllic Sunday lunch situation, and the children find a skull in the backyard. Mm. And so, of course, immediately... You're kind of drawn into this mystery. What what does this family know? Who's keeping secrets? Why are they keeping them? Um, and it takes a lot of twists and turns. So I loved the suspense element because it's obviously there. You find a skull in your backyard. There's some suspense there. A little bit. Um, but I also really liked the tricky family dynamics this book addresses. Jordan and I just finished HBO's Succession, mm. which, whew, y'all, <laughs> it's so good. It, it's so good. It's it's HBO, so keep that in mind. But, yeah. but it's really yeah. good. Um, and so th- you've got kind of this family, these family dynamics at play that make 
the witch elm really rich and interesting so i cannot wait for that one to be on the shelves i think it is weirdly there are a ton of october 9th release dates and yeah. i think this is one of them okay yeah so just in time for halloween yeah exactly it's okay. a great october book perfect well stay tuned we will do a spooky books episode like we do every Yay. october um so that's the end of of your five that you picked out um but let's talk about some of the things that our customers and our readers our listeners have been recommending yeah so our customers really are drawn to a lot of historic fiction yeah. so one customer in particular really raved about fiona davis and we've mm-hmm. talked about her before so and she the, has her new one out the masterpiece. yeah the masterpiece the dollhouse the address those were all titles that were mentioned eleanor oliphant is completely fine uh-huh. was mentioned um let's see i feel like there were a couple of a couple more that were really unique um and maybe titles that i had not heard of or one of them, somebody recommended Elizabeth George's mystery series. Okay. Um, she's, I, I am not as familiar with Elizabeth George, but immediately women around the table were like, oh yeah. Um, so her inspector, um, that he has like a specific name, but that right. he's got a new, she has a new book out under that series. Um, and the two customers who had read it really recommended it. Um, another one called, um, the historian have you i've heard of, heard of this the one, one kind yeah. of about dracula uh-huh. okay so my customer what she said was so fascinating she read this book while she was um on a cruise okay. like of the Dan- danube river i think okay so she loved it but then she got home and tried to finish it and was not interested at all so huh. she was only interested while she was there being able to visualize right. so anyway the historian is one that um, was mentioned as well lots of historic fiction um lots of kind of book club friendly uh friendly titles um interestingly one of my customers one of the people in attendance rec- uh said that she was doing the bookshelf challenge, reading mm, challenge. Mm-hmm. And so she had just finished Displace- Displacement uh, because she was trying to read a graphic me- memoir for the first yeah. time. So I thought that was cool. And That's I thought great. it was really interesting to see even some of the older customers at the table immediately be interested in this new genre of literature that right. they hadn't tried before. Um, so I thought that was great that that instead of a bookseller having to sell them on the graphic novel or graphic memoir, a customer saying, hey, I tried this new thing and I really liked it. That's even better. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So I love watching those kinds of interactions. Um, I did have a few more. So we're starting to get toward the holiday season, believe it or not. Somehow. Somehow. And so I did have a couple of gift books in particular. Obviously, Ann Bogle's... Um, I'd Rather Be Reading. I'd Rather Be Reading is excellent for mm-hmm. that. Um, but so... Obviously, I'm a huge uh, fan and follower of the Royals, not uh-huh. the baseball team, the right. British the, people. The actual family. Yeah. The Windsors. Yeah, th- those people. Um, so I watched the Royal Wedding, and I loved Reverend Michael Curry's, um, mm-hmm. what do you yeah. call that? An address? A homily? I don't know what you call that. But anyway, he did a beautiful job at their wedding. And of course, you know, some publisher has now, you know, captured right. this, and I believe it's Penguin Random House. They have turned that speech into like a gift book compiled with some of his other sermons cool. on the themes of love and humanity. And so it's called The Power of Love, and it comes out in October. So if you've got, like, a royal aficionado in your life, or I like think this would be a really... Like a Lewis fan. Yeah, <laughs> I think this would be a really cute, a cute gift. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. And I found that I found that sermon to be really meaningful. And so it was I, great, yeah. yeah. I think I would like that. Also, probably could be a really cute wedding gift idea. Yeah. Um, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda, Gift to Our Nation, uh, has also <laughs> written a book based on his tweets. And you and I could talk all day long about whether or not tweets count as literature. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> but Good Morning, Good Night is his collection. It's his tweet. He's a pretty prolific yeah. tweeter. Twitter user. What are we doing? I'm just going to say Twitter user. I prefer that. I hope that's true. Um, but he writes these really well, I think, really well done yeah. um, tweets at the beginning of each day and at the end of each day. And now they're becoming a book. That's cool. I think it's cute. Um, he can get away with that. He uh, And look, let's not let the rest of the world follow suit. No, We're please. only interested in Lin-Manuel. Correct. <laughs> I don't need somebody else's tweets in a book. No. But I'll take this, guys. Um, so I think if you've got Hamilton fans in your life, people who, like me, adore Lin-Manuel mm-hmm. Miranda, this is going to make a great gift. Um, so good morning, good night. Um, and I, I hope I'm enunciating that correctly. It's good morning, good night. Good morning, good night. Yeah, it, okay. it's not spelled Goodnight. out. Yeah. It's, that's so hard for me to say. Me too. And but that's how his tweets are. Like gotcha. they've got Good the morning. G apostrophe. And that's how I would say it. Yeah. Good morning. Good night. Interesting. Uh so anyway, I think that could be a really fun gift. Michelle Obama ha- also has yes. her biography, autobiography, memoir coming out this fall. It's called Becoming. Mm-hmm. The cover is super striking. Yeah, it um, is. I'm very excited about it. So excited that my publisher contacted me recently because I ordered 25 of those, <laughs> which I know to other bookstores is probably like nothing. Uh-huh, but but to, for us, that's a lot. That's a lot. So I did adjust that a little bit because I realized perhaps I bit perhaps. off more than I could chew. Perhaps. <laughs> and by the holidays, I might right. sell 25, right. but probably in its first week or two, that, mm, that was aggressive. For your yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a mistake on my part. Um, I've also got... Uh, okay, I'm excited. So, Liam Moriarty has a new one coming out. Okay. I'm excited about that, although... I don't know if this is un- an unpopular opinion. I did not love her most recent one. Well, that just came out last year. Yeah, didn't it? truly madly guilty. Yeah, I I obviously feel weird about that because I've lowered my voice to a whisper level. Yeah, no, uh, you're you don't want anybody to know <laughs> on this podcast. As I with tell the thousands podcast. of listeners. Um, I just wasn't a big fan of it. Sure. But I love her and I trust her. Yeah. So I'm anxious to read the new one. I have not been given an ARC. If you're a publisher rep and you're listening to this and you want to send me one, I would read it. Uh, <laughs> it's called Nine Perfect Strangers. It comes out in November. I've mentioned A Well-Behaved Woman, mm-hmm. um, which is by Teresa Ann Fowler, who did Z, the Zelda Fitzgerald story. That's right. This will be so popular, I think, this fall, especially for book clubs. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a really great book right now. I did not. I was not familiar with Jean Thompson. She's a National Book Award finalist oh. from previous years. I think there's a whole sp- period of time, like pre my bookshelf experience, that like I just wasn't aware. Yeah. You know, you're in college. You're not right. paying attention right. to the National Book Award. <laughs> so, so um, you're not paying attention to much of anything. So, A Cloud in the Shape of a Girl is by Jean Thompson. It comes out in October. I'm loving it so far. I'm about halfway through. What I like is it's three uh, generations of women. A grandmother, a mother, and a daughter. Um, and I love seeing how those three women think they're so different from one another, but they're really similar. I'm, I'm having... It's not the cozy vibe of Gilmore Girls, uh-huh. but I'm picturing those ages, you I know? Gotcha. Um, and so I really like that, that this author is somehow able to capture those three unique, um, not just voices, but periods in a woman's life mm-hmm. so well. So A Cloud in the Shape of a Girl... Nonfiction personality brokers. This looks fascinating for people like you and me. Yeah, for who sure. Who are obsessed with personality typing. I read about this recently. The Millions featured it in one of their upcoming books, mm-hmm. uh, favorite fall titles. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. 
All You Can Ever Know by Michelle Chung. She wrote for The Toast. Um, oh, yeah. Which is, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, now yeah. defunct. It is, but I think they put everything back up okay, fairly recently, too. Okay, so that you too. could see yeah. it. So she was the editor of that website, I believe. One of she, them. She um, immigrated to the United States and was adopted by a white family. Mm-hmm. I believe she's Korean-American. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I believe she was born in Korea. And so the racism that she faced while her parents were not really aware of it because right. they were white and right. adopted her. And so I'm intrigued by this. So this is her memoir, All You Can Ever Know. She's a really funny writer on the internet, and I imagine she's very insightful at Good. this kind of thing too. Good. So that uh, is on my radar. Transcription, the new Kate Atkinson. Okay. Did you read Life After Life? Yes. Did you like I it? I loved Life After Life. Okay. Would I like it? Mostly. Okay. I, yeah, I think so. It was... What was that? 2013? It was like pre... My early bookshelf years. Yeah, that sounds right. God in Ruins came out in 2015. God in Ruins is a title I could not remember today for the life of me. So so she's got a new one coming out called Transcription. Okay, cool. So I'm anxious to perhaps try her for the first time. I've not read her, which is... And they're hefty. Yeah, they are. Uh, which is a bookseller confession. I would like to, I would like to read her, but I just haven't. Yeah. And then Sarah Perry, Essex Serpent uh, of Fame, has written a new one called Melmoth. Guys, this book is so strange. What is it? It is so strange and dark and eerie. It sounds good. What is it? Frankenstein. I think you would probably it like it. It sounds really you up my alley. Or Amy or Kate. Um, I am like like through a glass darkly like okay. i am like navigating uh-huh. my way and it's not my typical genre so i'm like where are you taking me sarah um but it is about i and it's one of those books that i put down it probably mm-hmm. should be featured on what i didn't finish because gotcha. i put it down in july and i haven't picked it back up mostly because it's a novel that i think should be firmly planted in the fall gotcha uh it it felt weird to be reading this kind of dark but kind of wintry novel in the middle of a July yeah. you know, beach no, trip. Yeah, no, and you said in July, like, no cold books. Yes. Like, that was your thing. Yes, um, which then I read Beartown. Whatever, guys. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but Melmoth, basically, I believe, I have not looked it up because I don't want to spoil anything. I think it's a fictional um, old wives' tale, folk tale. Mm. But I don't know. It could be a real folk tale that I'm just not familiar with. Um, and the book... Is like if I guess if this folktale came to life, gotcha. And it's kind of this dark, shadowy figure that keeps following this woman. It's very bizarre. I want to read it. Okay, I think you'll like it. Maybe what I'll do is I'll read a couple pages. If I still can't get into it, I'll yeah. just give it to you. Yeah, that sounds great. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's I know when fall hits me because I want to read and watch scary things. Yes, and like not scary things, but like eerie things. Yeah. And so I watched this like vampire anime on Netflix this weekend. Yeah. I thought I was gonna watch a couple episodes of it. And then there were only four. And I was like, oh. Might as well just finish perfect. this up. <laughs> it was only 90 minutes total, but it was great. Yeah. <laughs> like, So now I want more. Okay. Well, I'll bring this to you then. Okay. Um, I'm very intrigued because I like Sarah Perry. I trust her. Yeah. But I clearly, it is not my genre because I'm just like, I mean, truly, that's the best way I know how to describe it. Like, I'm walking around like in the dark. Like, wait, uh-huh, where are uh-huh. you taking me? What are we doing? That um, sounds fun. Okay. The last one I want to mention, and maybe... Um, by the time we record, or by the time this goes live, we may have talked about this in a previous episode. Um, but I am a huge Anne of Green Gables fan. Mm. And I think this is so interesting. There's a new book coming out this fall called Marilla. And it's based on the fictional character Marilla Cuthbert. Okay. From Anne of Green Gables. Okay. So it's like a fictional deep dive into Marilla's story. Okay. Only it's not written, obviously, by Ellen Montgomery. It's written by someone else. Right. So... 
we talked last week about canon. Um, surely this book came up in that conversation. Surely but, it did <laughs> in that conversation that, that we we've definitely, definitely already had. had. Um, but I am I can't decide what I think about this. Like I can't decide. Interesting. I can't decide how pure I am. Mm. I can't decide how much I want to stay with just what the author originally intended. And as you remember, this is exactly <laughs> what we talked about last week. Yeah. So I can't wait to to re-listen to that conversation to know that what we, we said. actually had <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, Marilla by Sarah McCoy is another one that I at least think should be on people's radars. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't quite know how I feel about it, but I'm sure other people will be talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and then we can, we can field those emails and they'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's kind of... Those those are what I'm talking about. Most of my customers, I think, are really into, into historic fiction. Historic fiction. Interesting. World War II. Not surprising, but interesting. No, we talked a lot about We Were the Lucky Ones. Everybody's um, into World War II. And yeah. Everybody has been forever, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's a rich territory for yeah. things, but I'm just... Everybody loves World War II. I also wonder if we have... When I did that interview with Georgia Hunter, mm -hmm. which... Is that live? As um, that goes live... What that went live last week? Okay, yep. <laughs> so guys, time we're time lords. We are, we are time lords. <laughs> um, but when I interviewed Georgia Hunter, one of the things she mentioned, and of course it's correct um, because we're watching it happen all over the place, but um, that generation is dying, and so I do wonder if part of the fascination, although I think we as Americans have always been fascinated with that period in history, mm -hmm. yeah, I, for sure. I do wonder. If there's an increase because of how timely those stories still feel, yeah, and then also Oof. this urgency of these the storytellers, the firsthand accounts are disappearing, yeah, and yeah, if, and if we don't capture them, then they'll be gone. They'll be gone, and all we'll have is speculation. Mm -hmm. And so, and I appreciate people like Georgia Hunter who have taken it upon themselves to tell For their sure. stories. Um, but I wonder if that's part of the reason. So many. I just thought it was fascinating today that of all the books, now Eleanor Oliphant was an outlier. Mm -hmm. um, Displacement was an outlier. But overwhelmingly, just several um, historic fiction titles. I wish I could remember some of the other ones, but um, maybe I'll give them to you once I come up with them and you can put them in the show notes. Sure. Um, but that's kind of what I'm most excited about this fall. And there are a lot of great lists out there. Publishers Weekly put out yep. a good list. The Millions put out a great list. Um that's far more extensive than mm -hmm. mine. But of the titles, these are the ones that have come across my desk and either I've read them or I've read parts of them um, and I can't wait to kind of put them in people's hands. It's fall, y'all. Yeah, it's fall, y'all. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at www.bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel. It's from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. 
If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon to gain access to exclusive bonus content like Annie's interview with Georgia Hunter, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a very funny thing happened. So we're back to doing story time every week, like mm-hmm. with the local preschools. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the books I'm reading right now are um, Teacher's Pet, The Teacher's Pet, which is hilarious, about a classroom pet that instead of becoming a frog, becomes a hippo. Hmm. And the hippo swallows the teacher. Good. Uh, and then there's another book called Mermaid School, which is about mermaids who go to school. So look, lots of funny reactions from the children. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I read The Teacher's Pet is ask the children what they would do if their teacher was swallowed by a hippo. The responses Great. are, <laughs> the responses range from the very violent, like, Cut him open and get him out of there. And like this is this is the little red riding hood phenomenon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like and they're three and they've got these little southern accents, so I just oh, yeah. I just smash him. Like I just <laughs> pull out my pocket knife and yeah. cut him open right there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then also I'm reading Mermaid School and in the book, Mermaid School, one of the little boys' name is names is Squirt. And I said, Does anybody in here have a friend named Squirt? And this little kid was like, That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, oh, I was not expecting that. And I'm not even sure his name was Squirt. I think he just liked the idea that it could be. Yeah. So, yeah, good times. Books, small <laughs> business, and life in the South. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week.